Hey, George Cedarquist here, host of Opera Box Score. All right, I know you want to get to the podcast, so I'm going to keep this short. Opera Box Score needs your donation to retain its title as America's talk radio show about opera. You can give on our website, operaboxscore.com slash donate. When you throw even 10 bucks our way, it helps us promote the show to more listeners. Just 20 bucks helps cover our website costs. Chip in 50 bucks and we can pay to wax Tobias's back. But for real, please consider a donation of any amount to help us continue to bring you our hot takes on everything opera-related. Operaboxscore.com slash donate. Enjoy the podcast. Live from Chicago, you're listening to Opera Box Score. Uh, Let's get ready to rumble! Wherever you are, however you're listening, hey, thanks for joining us for America's Talk radio show about opera, period. I'm your host, George Cedarquist, joined this week by co-hosts Tobias Wright and Dinah Fisher. We are live in studio on WNUR-FM, Evanston, Chicago, streaming live on WNUR.org slash pop-up and available as a podcast on iTunes, 847-866-WNUR is the number in studio. You could be that longtime listener, first-time caller who gets to have their say live on the air, 847 847- 866-9687. Hey, don't be shy. But if you are, no big deal. You can also leave us a message, 224-218-9box, 224-218-9269. All right, it's the Chalk Talk doubleheader tonight. Part one, Tobias and Dinah and I reveal what we're each thankful for in opera. See if you're thankful for the same things. At 925, you get all your opera headlines and our hot takes on them in the two-minute drill. And then at 9.40 p.m., Chalk Talk Part 2, we talk about turkeys and we take a few pot shots, find out what some of the dud ideas, dreadful productions, and dismal moments have been so far this hunting season. Oh, it's going to be a feel-good show tonight, actually, I think, Tobias. It's going to be feel-good. Oh, it's going to be feel-good. I'm back! I've missed you guys. It's good to see you. I I don't even think any of our listeners realized I was gone, which is totally fine. You'd be surprised. But here we go, and I'm excited to be back. Where where have you been? Hanging out, just skipping. Well, you were on vacation. I did go on a vacation. I went and visited my sister and my family, so I went and I camped in a log cabin in the mountains. And just turned off my phone and didn't talk to anybody. Right. And then I came back and started rehearsals. I'm doing Flatermouse right now. Okay. Uh, here in Chicago. And uh, yeah, so I've been busy and that's what's kind of kept me away. But here we go. Had the night off. Um, and I couldn't think of a better place to spend my Monday night. It's good. It's good. Dinah, how are you? Oh, yeah. Oh, doing all right. A little uh, bit better than last week. Oh, my God. Last week, <laughs> Tobias, you should have seen us in the studio. Oliver and Dinah and the I, saddest. we were just like... Yeah, the saddest, most pathetic people in the world. And <laughs> stemming from? From the election. You know what? It was funny because on November 9th, there was like, give Trump a chance. And then today it's like, are Jews people? And it's just awful. <laughs> it's ridiculous. So, are we, it's do we get kicked off for me saying that? No, 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 no. Okay, no, we cool. Don't we don't have to get political that. on the air, but let's call it what the alt-right really is. Neo-Nazis. I'm going to get to Thanksgiving <laughs> in one second with Dinah. Tobias, I want to talk a little bit of sports with you. Yes. Uh, some t- we actually, we have seen each other since the Cubs win the World Series. Not on a radio, though. Yeah. But, George. Sorry, did you know that they won the World Series? The, who? <laughs> go Cubs, go! Hey, 
Chicago. That song, though, Sports. how crazy was it that it got on like the top 40 charts? Did it really? Yeah, it did. I got no idea. It was ridiculous. No, but the Cubs, Hilarious. George, the Cubs, and I don't think. Yeah. If you're not a sports fan, and I know you're not a sports fan, <laughs> which is totally fine, but if you're not a sports fan, it's almost it's impossible to to quantify how important or how improbable the Cubs winning the World yeah. Series really was. Yeah. Because for the city of Chicago, not just Chicago, the Cubs are a national brand. Right. Generations. Generations passed waiting for what happened couple it's weeks crazy. ago it's yeah. crazy i promised you on air that, that my dad would be the first person i'd call and man sure enough yeah were there tears call my dad uh i i had a few tears i had That's a few awesome. tears yeah when the royals run won it last year i cried yeah. like a little boy yeah. you should wow, um, uh, real serious. quick before we get on to uh more important things i also george i'm sorry uh for those who don't know i went to the university of kansas and i'm a huge football fan and the university of kansas football team has been the worst team in the country, but they, against all odds, they were 24-point underdogs this weekend against the University of Texas, and they won in overtime, snapping a 19-game conference losing streak, which is abysmal. Anyway, Rock Chalk, Jayhawk, OKU. I, we're going we're gonna to leave that there. Now, <laughs> Dinah, so what's, what's your Thanksgiving traditions, Dinah? We're doing a Thanksgiving show tonight. Right. What, do you, what do you do on Thanksgiving? So since, I mean, we're Lithuanian, so Thanksgiving right. was kind of... We just kind of went the. It was just a bottle of vodka and a fish. (laughs) We just like have those two things and just like take shots of vodka and just like have fish with us. No. Um, Oh man, well, I'm an only child. So it was just me and my my mom, my dad, and my grandma also lives with us. Um, And I. Do you do a turkey? We do. Mm -hmm. So we do the traditional route, and it's a big old turkey. Yes. It's like over 20 pounds and i just don't know why we ever need that much meat for four people (laughs) but it's fine um and it's just more about just cooking all day with you know three generations of women in Mm -hmm. one kitchen which gets scary at some love it my grandma my grandma's um almost 95 years old and she's still with us and she has her like her cheesecake oh my gosh uh I, I like cake. I hope there's cheesecake in cranberry my Cranberry sauce, not that stuff that comes in a can, like some people. No, the, the real stuff, the real cranberries, That right? actually has berries in it, yeah, not like exactly. that gelatin scary mm. thing that people put on exactly. there. Scary gelatin. Exactly. Um, and we just, you know, it's all about just hanging out, and we put on, like, some awesome music mm-hmm. and just eat until we can't eat anymore. Nice. Well, we got a lot of music, actually, on this show. We're celebrating yes. Thanksgiving early. Yes. We're going to get to it right now. Chalk Talk on Opera Box Score. Uh, so we're talking about what we're thankful for. And um, Tobias, when we were putting the show to- together, you you had a real like fast gut response about s- something that you were very thankful for in opera. What was that? Uh, well, I, are we talking about the clip I sent you? Yeah. Okay. It's a recording of Luciano Pavarotti singing uh, Che Gelida Manina from La Boheme yeah. at La Scala in 1979. And why do I love this particular recording? One, it's stupidly awesome singing mm-hmm. i mean like it's incredible and the crowd if we may not play the whole clip obviously but if you are interested i encourage you to go listen to this on youtube and then listen to the crowd's reaction afterwards they erupt mm-hmm. and so it's pretty cool um but the reason it's special to me and th- that i'm thankful for it is that without this video i don't know that i would have pursued opera a friend showed me this when i was a junior in college or s- junior in college um 
And he was like, you've never heard of Pav singing La Boheme? And I was like, Pava who? Singing La Bo what? And, <laughs> and, and, and then he played this video and I cried. And I went home that day and just YouTubed Pavarotti and went and bought all his CDs. And here I am today. And I'm trying to pursue a career because of this video. Here we go. Let's check. It's about five minutes, but but it's really We're doing good. the whole thing? Yeah, I think we should do the whole thing. Oh, you make is that, me so is that cool? happy. So just sit back, relax, and enjoy. There's going to be a lot of music on this show. And that's okay. Check it out.
and the crowd goes wild. But not just like applauding. That was amazing. That was like a visceral, like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> what if we just heard that's amazing? <laughs> well, because what we heard was amazing. Heck yeah. But isn't it cool that a crowd recognized it yeah, in that moment? Knew. At they La Scala, they were like, oh my goodness. Every, he just sang and it was bananas. And, and Tobias, for you, that recording, like that moment, like that was really kind of the thing that changed your, your life. Yeah. It got you going. Yeah. Yeah. I, if there was a way for me to know how many times I've listened to that recording, just that, Aria, it would be embarrassing, but I would happily yeah. share it with the world. Yeah, love it. Yeah. Uh, so I'm thankful yeah. for it. It's Opera Box Score on WNUR, 89.3 FM, number in the studio, 847-866-9687. Hey, we're also on Twitter, hashtag Opera Balls. Tweet us, let <laughs> us know what is the uh, <laughs> the thing that you're thankful for in opera. Dinah, over to you. Yeah. All right. What am I? Or oh, what do you think? It was so for? hard to pick. Yeah, yeah. Um, it is tough. So I, I came to opera kind of late in the game. Um, I, I grew up with it, and it was in the household very openly. But I didn't have any roles that I really identified with. As a lyric mezzo, you always get pushed into the carabinos, and you, you know all right. that. All that jazz. Yeah. Um, and those, you know, those pant rolls didn't really speak to me. And then I found Octavian from Der Rosenkavalier by Strauss. Mm-hmm. And the first time I heard the ending trio from Rosenkav, I, I had to listen to it at least like three more times to understand what, what just happened in my ears. Because <laughs> it was the most beautiful, heartbreaking, and three women singing at the same time, one playing a man who is in love with these two women, and they're all singing about love. It's so complex, isn't it, this it's trio? It's unreal. And like, I think that's really what got me to it. And I read, I read the libretto. I read a synopsis to really understand what was going on. And then I eventually learned it myself last quarter, and it was one of the hardest things I've ever done mm-hmm. in my life. Mm-hmm. Such beautiful, incredibly complex, difficult music to learn and sing. For all parties. <laughs> uh, and to play a, a man who's in love with two women on stage and how that, and plus he's supposed to be like 17, which is like insane. Um, it really made me fall in love with opera on a whole different like storytelling level. And totally. I think I never felt that before. It was just like, oh, the opera's really beautiful. And I love, you know, Pavarotti's amazing. And I had all these, you know... Renee Fleming's amazing, but the story, I don't, there's something about this trio and the story behind this trio that just really got me. Uh, let's take a listen.
I, I could listen to that all night, basically. <sighs> Got emotional. <laughs> yeah, you should. Tobias is getting emotional for I'm all hot and bothered. La Boheme. <laughs> Me too. Getting, and then, you, wow, but then you I'm continue. Like okay, okay, but why do we love those? I know you talked about the storytelling, but the other thing too, <clears throat> and I think I'll probably talk about this later in the show. Yeah. But it's beautiful music. Oh yeah. Not like it's just it takes you to a different place. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And yeah. if you can, dude, if you can sing and just be beautiful, why not sing and be beautiful or make music that's beautiful? And with Rose and Cav and Boheme, you get so much of that. I agree. Yeah. I loved it. It's unreal. Yeah. Opera box score on WNUR. We're going to take a short break. I got my thankful clip that I'm going to play right after the break, but stick around for that on WNUR 89.3 FM. Live from Chicago, you're listening to Opera Box Score. More right after this. Tests are being held that can help reduce or relieve neurological pain in conditions such as MS, post-stroke, fibromyalgia, and Parkinson's disease. It has also been found to help reflex sympathetic dystrophy. To schedule your free test or get more information, call 847-849-3499. That's 847-849-3499. These events are sponsored by the Foundation for Wellness Professionals, a nonprofit organization. Once again, the number is 847-849-3499. Over 20,000 people in Chicagoland are affected by HIV and AIDS. Many live in poverty and need food. Open Hand Chicago's programs provide nutritious meals to over 1,000 people each week. Volunteers deliver hot meals to homebound clients or pack weekly supplies of groceries for clients who can prepare their own meals. Give the gift of time. Call Open Hand Chicago at 773-665-1000 today to volunteer or go to www.openhandchicago.org on the web. Pedestrians are funny people. They jump out at you when you least expect it. For safety tips drivers and pedestrians all need to know, visit aaos.org, a public service message from the American Academy of Orthopedic Surgeons. When Dad needed help getting around, I became his driver. Soon enough, it was up to me to be his housekeeper and financial manager, too. When he moved in, I became his cook and even his nurse. But no matter what roles I play, I know I'm still his daughter. We understand the roles you play. So to help, we created aarp.org caregiving, where you can connect with experts and other caregivers. Visit aarp.org caregiving. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. You're listening to Opera Box Score with George Cedarquist, Oliver Camacho, Tobias Wright, and Dinah Fisher. That's right. Back here on Opera Box Score 89.3 FM WNUR, George Cedarquist with Tobias Wright. I am here. And with Dinah Fisher. I'm also here. And we are talking about what we're thankful for this Thanksgiving season. We've been listening to some great music. Tobias picked this awesome recording, Pavarotti singing Que Gelida Manina from Puccini's La Boheme. Mm-hmm. And Dinah picked the trio at the end of Rosenkavalier by Strauss. George, what are you thankful for? I, this was hard, too, actually. Uh, I knew it was going to be German. Definitely. Okay. Of, like course. That of course. Is, that is the language that I'm into, having you know, lived there. Yes! Drink! <laughs> 
Dude, this is this is supposed to be a feel <laughs> good show. It is. A, well, I'm going to feel great if I drink as many times as you yeah, talk about being okay. in Europe. So um, I love you. But and so I initially was going to listen to some Wagner. As a director, there really is no more challenging composer to direct than Wagner. It's so complex. The scale is just off the charts. But actually, I ended up picking a piece that I really want to do very badly by Kurt Weill called The Seven Deadly Sins. Now, it's it's really a ballet is what it's labeled as. And it's very difficult to perform simply because the Kurt Weill Foundation is very controlling with the rights. And unless you have kind of the full orchestra, and it is scored for full orchestra, they generally don't let people do it. Hmm. So hmm. until I get all the personnel, it's, I'm just going to have to be content with listening to this recording. Uh, this is probably, this is the opening to The Seven Deadly Sins. Um, take a listen. Anna. 
it's, it's pretty weird stuff. George, I don't that know what so I just cool. listened to, but that was so awesome. It was like Edith Piaf's In an Opera, and I boom, I boom, love boom, Edith boom. Piaf. Exactly. Boom, it's got that boom, rhythm. Boom, boom. It's got these bizarro clarinets. It's a that was great. German. That was so freaking cool. I cannot wait to do that show. One Please day. let me who know. Who's the singer? Uh, that's a great question. I don't even have it on this recording. Actually, I don't know who it is. I need to look that up. We I think it's kind of all okay. Like discuss- <laughs> We didn't discover anything, <laughs> but hearing music that you've never heard before, that it, like as soon as it started, I was like, dope. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I was like, we what like, is this? Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm very grateful. For Kurt Weil. I would love if his foundation would give me the rights to do this without the full orchestra. But, I, ain't, uh, I ain't gonna do it. George, can I say one more thing that I'm thankful for? Yes, you can. Your fro. Aw, thanks. Aww. And the beard. <laughs> Growing out the winter beard here. It's Opera Box Score on WNUR. Hey, uh, tweet us. Hashtag Opera Balls. Or check out the website, operaboxscore.com. Right now, we're going to do the two-minute drill. This just in, the two-minute drill. All right, time now for the fastest headlines in opera news. Everything you need to know in two minutes or less. Placido Domingo has rolled out Naida tour that he has been planning for two years. The highlight is a performance in the Munich Olympic Stadium next August. He says it's an initiative to bring in new audiences. Tour opens this coming May in Gelsenkirchen with further shows in Hamburg, Vienna, Frankfurt, Brussels, Paris, and Stockholm. Domingo's conducting. The casts include Ekaterina Gubanova and Erwin Schrott. Finnish soprano Karita Matala has returned to the Metropolitan Opera after a four-year absence in a revival of Janicek's powerful Yenifa. Matala last appeared at the Met in 2012 in Janicek's The Macropolis Case. But when she failed to appear over the past few seasons, rumors circulated that her career at the company might be over. She and Peter Gelb, the Met's general manager, now ascribe the gap to scheduling conflicts as well as the inevitable transition in roles as a singer enters middle age. Over to the disabled list, where tenor Jonas Kaufman was due back this week from a two-month layoff with a vocal injury. But what was first described as a minor delay with a severe cold is now classed as, quote, health problems. He's canceled next week's recital at the Teatro Real in Madrid. Tomislav Neralasic, a Croatian-based baritone with an international career, has died at 98. He was recruited by the Vienna Opera in 1943, and then he returned to Zagreb to develop Wagner roles, including The Flying Dutchman, which he sang 123 times. Alender Vall, a Berlin-based mezzo-soprano from San Francisco, has also died, and aside from opera roles, she attracted media attention for a song cycle entitled The Poetry of Donald Rumsfeld, which was done in the early 2000s. Also, Henry Purcell died on this day, November 21st, in 1695. That's the two-minute drill. So, Tobias. George. The question is, <clears throat> Domingo and this Aida tour, is that something that you would want to see or not really? Uh, y- You know, yeah. No, and, knowing the cities where it's in, I'm talking very realistic right. here. Like, Would you fly to one of those European cities to go see it? 100%. If somebody else were paying for it. And I would because <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm real about this stuff. Yeah. I mean, okay, so Domingo's involved with it. And I like the fact that it's an initiative to get other people involved. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are probably some things that will happen with the production that will be probably against Verity's wishes for Aida. And that's fine. Um, because everybody thinks of Aida as this huge grand opera. And really, it's a pretty intimate show. There's like two right. scenes that are big yeah. with a lot of people. Um, so it'll be interesting to do. It sounds like they're going to be doing it in huge stadiums. So it's not going to be 
two or three thousand people in a big opera house, it's going to be like thousands, yeah. tens of thousands. The Olympic of people. Stadium, Munich, is like sixty thousand people. <clears throat> yeah, so it's, you, you don't you wouldn't perform in the whole thing. Like if you do a gig at the United Center, you know, seats twenty thousand. But if Stevie Wonder plays there, only ten thousand people see it. Still, still, they're going to have that. There's going to be twenty, thirty thousand people in that stadium. I am yeah. sure of yeah. it. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I'm kind of excited to see what it looks like, and I'm sure. I mean, obviously, the singers are all great. It's not like some. Right crappy touring company this is a big deal i hope they use live animals um, that would be cool and so, well see that's what i was thinking is like it, that's totally not in the real aida score hmm. but if they're going to be doing it in stadiums and i mean Why somebody's not? walking an elephant yeah. out somewhere Throw an elephant in there yeah i always forget how much you like verdi tobias oh dude. really like verdi yeah look how excited he is he's i mean <laughs> dude because because when he wrote there was somebody writing who not only understood the voice, but loved the voice. And so, yeah, it's hard to sing Verdi, but he wrote so that if you were singing yeah. well, it sounded amazing. Yeah. That's why I like Verdi. It gets me excited. Plus, yeah. he wasn't messing around. He wrote some awesome stuff. Diana, do you like Janacek? I do. <laughs> I, don't like, I don't like Janacek. Janacek. <laughs> I don't know if I've ever seen Janacek, actually. The Jennifer? I've no. never seen Jennifer, and I've never seen Macropolis Case. I, where would you have seen them? Yeah, I was like, I've like heard, I haven't seen it. Oh, they, I, dude, no, they're done though. I haven't seen it live. I, I mean, I don't know I've that I've seen ever it had live. Dinah's never seen no. it live. Uh, well, okay, are they done outside the Met? That is a good question. I don't know. If, I couldn't tell you the last time the Lyric did them here in Chicago. Yeah. Um, okay, wait. Really? Think, another thing that stood out to me there: the Jonas Kaufman, mm-hmm. the health problems. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Part of me wonders, I mean, Jonas Kaufman is gigged through, like, 2025. I mean, because he's the world's most famous tenor. Right. And you have to think, if you're... Part of me wonders if a lot of what he's canceling um, comes from the fact that, you know, he's booking a few years in advance, and as he gets closer or whatever to an event, maybe he's preparing a different role, new repertoire, which I know he's doing. Um, and so canceling, this doesn't alarm me that much that he's canceling recitals. Mm-hmm. Um, if he starts canceling operatic appearances... He's done that. And well, but like times. performances, I'm saying backing out of contracts completely, which he has not done. So if that started to happen, then I'd be alarmed. But canceling recitals, man, it's probably just more or less he's, you know, yeah, he, doing other things. He but canceled that uh, the Met last year with Carmen and Menonesco. Out of contracts completely. Yes. Really? Well, and I don't know. Out of and he said he had acute sinusitis. Yeah. Eh. It sounds to me more than anything like <laughs> like he doesn't want to do some of these things. Yeah, I mean, no has been sick for two years straight, and if he is, then we all should be alarmed because that's somebody who's brought yeah. so much light uh, in the world of opera that it would be an alarming loss to me uh, if somehow his career were to slow down. Yeah. Just jumping back to the Janacek thing really briefly, uh, looking up on operabase.com, uh, who does a lot of our statistics, uh, there are 144 performances of Janacek's work this season uh, across 30 cities, and only two of those cities are in the U.S. Uh, New no, York City. Okay, there you go. Uh, and San Francisco. Seattle. Seattle. Ooh. Yeah, exactly. Actually, no, here's a third. Uh, Santa Barbara, as well, is doing Cunning Little Vixen. Oh. Oh. Of course. So, which of is course. the, that, I guess that is the one Janicek opera I have seen. I've not seen it. It was at Lyric many years ago, and I saw it in Germany. DePaul uh, did it a while ago, yeah. too. Cunning yeah. Little Vixen? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's fun to say. Cunning it's, it's kind of the most uh, accessible, I think. Agreed. I would say of all those of all those pieces. Um, how about this guy who sang 123 
performances of the Flying Dutchman. Incredible. <laughs> Can you? Can you laughs. Because <laughs> like, like how? <laughs> I, yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. Like, how do you even do a hundred and I don't of even anything. know. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. It, to have the vocal stamina, to have the wherewithal, to treat your voice that well, yeah. to be able to repeatedly do something that is that demanding. If you run marathons, which let's, if you're singing Flying Dutchman, you're running a marathon. Yeah. Marathoners don't typically run a hundred and some marathons in their lives right. at, a, at the highest level. Do you know what I'm saying? I do. So... It's interesting you say marathon, though, because I was about to say, hang on a second, if you're playing Major League Baseball, you play more than 123 games in Mm -hmm. a season. But your parallel is equating singing Flying Dutchman not with playing a baseball game, baseball happens running a marathon. Those are two very different physical Absolutely. Baseball happens quickly and in spurts. Opera... You're not singing the entire time, but when you're doing Wagner, the demands that are placed on a voice, or when you're singing Mm -hmm. Verdi or Puccini or even Mozart, Mm -hmm. the... You cannot take a moment off. Yeah. Otherwise, backstage, yeah. Yeah, otherwise the singing suffers. Yeah. Yeah. And then suddenly you're putting on a crap product mm-hmm. that nobody wants to listen to. Mm-hmm. And when you're running a marathon, you can't take a mile off. If you take yeah. a mile off, well, there you go. You're not going to win, you know. Um, so, yeah, I, I, for me, that's how I would equate it to sports for someone. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. and it's, But to do something that many times at that high of a level is remarkable. Amazing. It's pretty cool. Uh, one thing I did not put in the two-minute drill because it is old news is the whole like Mike Pence and Hamilton, Donald Trump. <laughs> I, t- I don't know if you guys want to get into that. Or I'm, not. Just, I'm just gonna smile at you. I don't know. I so many. Feelings. I could poke you with a stick, Tobias, to get you talking about it. Though. I think a few things. Uh, I think. See, that wasn't hard. I think that <laughs> there's just. Some discourse that has been missing. I, I really do yeah. think that yeah. uh, the opposition, that the polarization uh, of what has happened with certain aspects is so divisive. Um, and so Trump didn't have to tweet about the incident. Right. Um, and also what Trump tweeted about wasn't really what happened. So the cast was respectful. The cast didn't boo. The cast no. addressed him formally no. and politely and said words that weren't, um, that didn't, incite hate that didn't hint at um displeasure it was a, a sincere fear yeah um because these are people who are the minorities who are black who should be afraid of people who are racist all over this country they had the these are people who are homosexuals who are looking at mike pence who has talked about conversion therapy and they have every right to be scared right they were not disrespectful. No. The audience shouldn't have booed the vice president-elect. I, I mean, it's, I no. mean, whatever. But, no. like, what are you going to... I mean, honestly, what does he expect? Well, the other thing, too, yeah. is that I, I think a lot of times we go... One of the reasons that I loved listening to Rosenkav and, and the Kurt Vile is because, you know what I thought about this hmm. whole time? Nothing. Nothing. Other yeah. than beautiful music. And yeah. I think sometimes... I think the theater can be a sanctuary and it doesn't have to be a political place because suddenly Hamilton made itself a very political thing and it already was, but now more so than ever. And so they stepped into a, a, a bucket of hot water that maybe they didn't intend to because I think it was a well-intentioned thing what the cast of Hamilton but did. But Trump, Trump he, where he screwed up was that he was like, the theater should be a safe, safe and special place. But like, the, the theater, oh, I don't think safe theater is not Did he say very, that? That's what he tweeted. Mm-hmm. 
special place. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, I just know that he exactly. said rude and apologized. Yeah. No, that yeah. was like that was after he sent the first exactly. tweet was Dine like is right. the theater oh. should be a safe and special place. <laughs> really quick, Why I don't look at. I know he tweeted, but I don't look at Donald Trump's tweets. But like, I don't either. But like, my bad. I mean, my Facebook is just like exploding every yeah. second I, of the day. I think we can all agree that safe theater is not terribly interesting, engaging, right. or exciting theater. Right. Like, I think is, we've seen those safe shows. You know? Does he even know what a theater space? It's just like. Yeah. <laughs> No. Doesn't have a clue. Uh, I can't work. believe we talked this much about it, and uh, I didn't. Want, I didn't want to say anything. I know. All right, but it's been said. Okay, we're, we're going to cleanse the palate here <laughs> with a break. Uh, stick around with us on Opera Box Score. Uh, we're going to be right back here on WNUR eighty nine point three FM. Live from Chicago. You're listening to Opera Box Score. More right after this. More and more babies in America are being born dangerously early. So early their lives hang in the balance. Despite the best medical care, thousands don't get through the first month. Premature birth is growing at an alarming rate. It affects one in eight babies. The March of Dimes funds research to give all babies a fighting chance. Help the March of Dimes stop the crisis of premature birth. For information or to help, go to marchofdimes.com. The baby we save may be your own. Did you know that the average age when kids start to use drugs is between 13 and 14? The good news is that kids who learn a lot about the risks of drugs from their parents are half as likely to use drugs. So you need to start talking. Not sure what to say? The Partnership for a Drug-Free America's Illinois affiliate, Prevention First, has free brochures, posters, and other materials for parents, teachers, and anyone who wants to keep our kids from using drugs. For help, go to prevention.org. A message from Prevention First and WNUR. 55% of candidates for statewide office report spending at least one out of every four of their waking hours raising money for their campaigns. 23% report spending more than half their time raising money. Public Campaign is a nonprofit, nonpartisan organization dedicated to sweeping reform that aims to dramatically reduce the role of special interest money in America's elections and the influence of big contributors in American politics. To learn more, visit www.publiccampaign.org. That's P U B L I C A M P A I G N. This message brought to you by WNUR. Chalk Talk on Opera Box Score. We're back here on WNUR 89.3 FM. Opera Box Score, your host, George Cedarquist, with the lovely Dinah Fisher. Hello. And the equally lovely Tobias Wright. I haven't shaved my back since the last time I was on Good the show, for George. for you, sir. Well, so gross. Uh, so we're giving thanks on the show. We got some turkeys coming up in a minute, but we have we have time for a few more few more thanks. And uh, let's go back to Tobias. You had another clip, another composer that you were very thankful for. Oh. This is a clip I'd never heard before. Actually, I knew nothing about this. So fill me in. Um, okay, so this is a song called "The Cabello Masutio" by uh, Fernando Obradors. Um, and Sounds it's delicious. It's kind of a neoclassical Spanish style, and it draws on some like 
some tonadilla, some zarzuela. But really what I love about it is the poetry. Yeah. And so I'm thankful for this piece because it was the first time that I, as a young singer, heard a song, translated it, and was like, oh, my gosh, that is so filthy beautiful. You don't even have to act. You just get to say the words. And if you know them and you just present it as is, music can be stunningly beautiful. And so um, part of the text, in the second verse, he says... And I'll just read the English. But sure. basically he says, I, I, I pray, um, my loved one, that someday I could become a cup or a bottle of wine uh, within your home. Because if I were in your home and I were that cup, every time that you lifted me to your mouth, I would get to kiss you. Um, and That's the most erotic Thanksgiving blessing I've heard. Hey, right? Ryan, if you're listening, take note. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. And I and Del Cabello Masatu is of the finest strands of hair. I mean, it's beautiful. It's Yummy. And if, when you just listen to this, I think you yeah. hear that beauty. And that's cool. like, boom. Let's check it out. That's uh, Domingo singing, right? Yeah, yeah. that's like Domingo. Chocolate. That yeah. really is. And so yeah. the song itself, I think, is less than two minutes long. And that's another reason that I liked it was because it left you wanting. Mm-hmm. It, it ends way sooner than it ever has to end. Hmm. And I think that's kind of awesome sometimes when something can happen like that. Speaking of chocolate, Dinah, that relates to <laughs> oh, your yeah. second yeah, yeah. clip that you have. So, so what makes you thankful about this uh, piece from Hansel and Gretel? Um, I grew up with this song and my... I didn't know my grandfather on my mother's side, mm-hmm. and he was particularly attached to the evening prayer from Hansel and Gretel, and it always, it touches a place in my mother's heart, and um, I didn't really, I mean, before, just, I was like, oh, it's a pretty song, and then as I grew up and learned the opera, and it is two children, you know, saying their bedtime prayer, and it is like the most delicate and beautiful simple thing that anyone could ever do it's it's so simple in a way mm-hmm. it's it's kind of like a hymn you yeah. know and i did this show uh this last summer and this um you know i sing my kids still sing them lullabies and like this became the lullaby for the month when i was doing this show i like it's that really good yeah let's, let's check it out here we go Thank you. 
Oh, yeah. That is just so beautifully done. Federica von Stada and Kathleen Battle on that mm-hmm. recording, right? So beautiful. Yeah. Really well done. Uh, Dinah, you've sung the role of Hansel. Yeah. What was, what was that like? <laughs> it yeah. is, uh, Hansel and Gretel became one of my favorite operas ever. Hmm. I saw it at the Lyric a few years ago. Probably the um, Richard Jones production. Yeah, there was food throwing on stage. Gretel, yeah. Yeah. It was, I don't, it, I, it is such an understated opera. People are like, oh my God, it's Hansel and Gretel, the story. And I'm like, have you, this music is, it's insanely difficult. Yeah. It's yeah. enormous orchestration. Do either of you have a preference on having the witch as a man or a woman? I like either. Depending on the man. When I directed it this past summer, it was <laughs> it was a woman and a really great singer for the woman. I would love to do it with a guy in drag. Really? Yeah, I think because I've be seen hilarious. it. I've only ever seen it with a guy. Oh, in drag. really? Oh, that's odd. Yeah, it was. Huh. I didn't hate it, but I was like, mm, I think a really beautiful woman's voice would be kind of better. But yeah, I didn't. I mean, it's interesting. That's that's interesting. I think Stephanie <clears throat> Blythe did it when I saw it. The, another weird. I'm doing. Um, the Flater Mouse right now, right. and the Orlovsky is a man. Oh. Interesting, right? That, okay. That's, yeah, that is interesting. Is that by design or yeah. why? why okay. Yeah, it is. Like that was a conscious... I mean, because thing. I uh, I can't. I have no idea why they did it, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a big, big, tall, handsome man. I don't know if they're dressing him up in drag, though, or what's going to... I blame I, the director. I can't, I can't say. <laughs> it's I'm, still, I'm still employed so by them. Interesting. What if, like, Hansel was played... That would be so weird. Right? Yeah, it, yeah. Wouldn't, it wouldn't fly. It would be very odd. Hmm? I mean, this is why we pay you, George, to direct the shows and make these decisions. Well, that's my other thing that I'm thankful for is a handful of directors. This is Opera Box Score on WNUR 89.3 FM. Uh, we're talking about what we're thankful for. Number in the studio, 847-866-9687. You can also email us, operaboxscore at gmail.com. Uh, here's a list of directors that I am thankful for. These men and one woman have just have done productions that I've seen that have absolutely changed the way I view opera. I've seen their work over the last, uh, you know, two, three, five years. Some of it, most of it's been live. Some of it I've seen on DVD. Uh, directors like Johannes Eirat, Jürgen Flim, who is the intendant uh, at the... Um, Staatstheater uh, Unter den Linden, uh, Klaus Gut, Martin Couchet, Kirsten Harms, who was the former intendanten of the Deutsche Oper Berlin, uh, and sort of a, a mentor to me in a way, Rene Zisterer, who's an Austrian director. And what all these directors have in common mm-hmm. is that they are able to take their productions and pare them down to the bare essentials. Okay. Right. Is that something you strive to do? That is, they, that is something that I have totally incorporated into my own work, having seen all these directors do their thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, these are not period updates. These are not period pieces. George, how do you feel about period We're updates? We're going to get to that <laughs> uh, in like three minutes. But these directors oh, have been God. able to take their shows and cut out all the BS and boil these pieces down to just music, text, Image in such a simple way. 
Uh, you, if you ever get the chance to see any of these people do their work, they never work in the U.S. Never, never, never. I don't think not. I could. I'll look this up on Opera Base. I don't think a single one of these people has directed in the U.S. Hmm. Um, How do we get them here? Yeah, I wonder uh, we, why that we is. can't. We can't. No, nobody would pay to see their work. Everyone, everyone would, would feel tricked and conned. Oh, I see. You know what I mean? That um, like I remember Rene Zistra, He did a production of um, Forza del Destino. Okay, Verdi. Okay. And a little right? Verdi, yeah. Yeah, with literally like one long table on the stage and that was it there was Hell nothing yeah. <laughs> else on that stage yeah nothing people would be pretty upset stage. about that were the are the costumes in, in period or Co- the costumes are contemporary oh yeah that's kind it's of awesome wearing jackets i kind of i like that yeah exactly somehow i'll try and get some some links or something onto the website for this you know what's kind of cool though and we talk a lot about scenery and I know directors don't necessarily have a ton to do with the scenic design or what happens sometimes it's out of your guys' control Um, but the few times that I've been to the Lyric which has a huge stage it's not on the same level as the Met but it's a big stage. Yeah. When that stage has been empty and then lit correctly, yeah. that's all it takes oh, to, to make you feel it. like you're like whimsically gone in some Narnian yeah. world. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Like it doesn't take a it's whole true. lot to be awesome. And uh, you know, sometimes the more that's on the stage, the you know, when you're kind of like, eh, you don't have to have all that. Well, we got just like the, a few minutes left to talk about a couple of the turkeys. Rainbow Road to Valhalla. Uh, yeah, that was a turkey, definitely. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, guys. Uh, so what what has happened this season or, or in your recent memory? that has been just a total dud the rainbow the rainbow bridge to Valhalla which was the the end of the Rheingold production at Lyric Opera that was really dreadful that was really bad Tobias what do you got super quick Uh, super quick and and, uh, Dinah I think you were going to say something similar we're going to share yeah yeah, Yeah, we'll share you guys are going to share the Lyric Opera, once a year, in addition to their eight operas, which are, for the most part, pretty awesome and dope music, presents a musical, yeah. a standard rep musical. Not, like, wicked, but they do, you know, like, Lerner and Lowe, um, Rodgers and Hammerstein, stuff like that, right? So last year, they or the year before, they did Carousel. Mm-hmm. Before that, it was Oklahoma, and then mm-hmm. they had Showboat. And last year, they had The King and I. The King and I. Great. And I have to tell you... <laughs> I've never been so furious for a ticket that I didn't pay for. <laughs> but I was just such a yeah. sham yeah. that people paid $299 to sit in box seats and they got crappy singing, yeah. shoddy acting, uh, and stage directing. The, uh, it just didn't make sense. And I was so upset. And that, it, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think my favorite, my, par- my favorite part was when she, when she was telling the story of, oh, I can't, the... I can't remember his name. Uh, the, the, the king, the king of Siam. Yeah. No, no, no but when she's when uh, Top Tim is telling the story mm-hmm. at the ball, and like they had that, they were acting out that whole play, and I thought that was beautiful. <laughs> they had uh, all the dancers, and they were like, they had all these scarves that <laughs> became. Like, I liked this, it. Did this happen after intermission? Because I was yes, it did. <laughs> okay, so this was magical that Tobias did not see, and it was my favorite part. But like the and the woman who played Anna was fine. Yeah. Yeah. I you know and I'm I'm hypercritical because when I go to a place that's that well respected, I expect it to be a very high level. And I think I went on a day when they had like two shows and they were coming off eight straight shows mm-hmm. and it was just it was low energy and I was just disappointed. Yeah. yeah. And I know that they're all capable. And the obviously. guy who played the King of Siam is a celebrity. You know, yeah. he's done He was in the Brandy Cinderella. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
<laughs> I was like, oh my God, it's Deck. I was like, I know this guy. And I was like Googling him on my phone. I was like, oh my God, he was in the Brandy Cinderella with Whoopi Goldberg as his mom. Yeah. I don't have a specific production that was a turkey. It's more like a move. And I, I talked about it already on the shows. You know, the idea with directors, when they take an opera and they update the time period to something very, very specific. Mm-hmm. To like, all right, I'm going to do this production of The Elixir of Love by Donizetti and it's going to be set in 1946 so that all the soldiers that are in the story, they're all like World <laughs> War II soldiers coming up. So first of all, hey, dude, we've seen that like 30 times already, so it's not an original idea. And Has B, that happened? It happens all the time. Okay, I've never but seen that. I'm just time. saying that as someone who loves World War II history, I would watch that show, George. No. Because here's the pro- so here's mad. the problem so is that you. He said when no. you when you update operas like that, you be- it becomes this process of A equals B. So like this right. idea okay. becomes this thing. It becomes overly literal. It becomes I constraining, see. and it's not exciting. That's fair. I never looked at it that way. Yeah, that's a whole different perspective. I, I just I, agree. I just did you did you hate me- the. The Rigoletto Rat Pack thing that the Met did. did you I, see I that didn't production? see it, but that's the sort of thing that would that would make me want to eat a gun. Oh, wow, <laughs> that is such a severe reaction. Yeah, it really, it really would. Yeah, uh, but that's not my bag. All those directors I talked about, that's not what they do. That's not what I do. So of course, of course, I'm going to hate it. So yeah. Um, all right, get the Alka Seltzer out. Apparently, I got some bad gas that I had to get rid of there. No, I know. We all just kind of like, I'm sorry that I was so nice. I always feel guilty when I say bad things about shows. Don't worry about it. We're going to wrap the show up. We'll give you a chance to do a a good call or a bad call. Bad call on Opera Box Score. All right. Well, it is that time again. Good calls and bad calls. Uh... Tobias, do you want to go first with a good call or a bad call? Uh, I mean, my good call is that it's Thanksgiving. Yeah. And yeah. I, I hope that uh, both for you guys and for anyone listening that you get to be with people that you love. Um, and if you are not with people that you love, I hope you know that you are loved uh, somewhere by people because that's really, I think, at the core of it, the most important thing that we could possibly ever remind ourselves of. Thank you, sir. Very kind. Thank you. Very kind. That's so sweet. Diana Fisher. All right, I good only call, ever have good call. calls. <laughs> I have two. Um, so first of all, Don Quixote opens uh, on the 23rd and runs until December 7th. Mm-hmm. So go get your tickets for that. It's going to be awesome. Also, there's a whole new production of the Nutcracker Ballet right. that is premiering this year. So tickets are ready on sale and they're going really, really fast. Is it the Joffrey? Is it I the think? Joffrey Ballet? Yeah, okay. It opens December 10th, but get your tickets now. The holiday season and student rush tickets are only fifteen dollars. That's if nothing. If you show up That's to the door, um, I've gotten amazing seats through the student rush tickets, and it's a whole new production. It's supposed to be super duper magical. So that is yeah. that is this deal. <laughs> uh, my good call. Well, okay. The bad call is that there's one week left of the regular college football season, and this always makes me so so sad that my favorite sport is coming to a close. It is a little sad. However. The good news is that the Michigan Wolverines, my Michigan Wolverines, and the Ohio State Buckeyes, the Axis of Evil, will be playing for all the marbles on Saturday. Winner goes to the Big Ten title game. Winner probably goes to the college football playoff. I will be wearing maize and blue. The kids will all be decked out in maize and blue. I'm going to be back in my hometown of Ann Arbor. The games in Columbus, nevertheless, cannot wait. That's exciting. Very exciting. George, I'm... I'll be rooting for you. You should. You and the ball. <laughs> Sports. The ball. 
That's it for this week's show. <laughs> Our announcer is Norm Waddell. Visit Norm Thanks, on the Norm. web at voxershorts.com, V-O-X-E-R-S-H-O-R-T-S.com. At WNUR, our programming director is Nick Anderson. The general manager is Brax Ducey. Our theme song is Vodka Inferno, written and performed by the Diablo Swing Orchestra. On Facebook and Twitter, search for Opera Box Score. Like our Facebook page, share and comment on our posts, and tweet us using our hashtag Opera Balls. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. Give us 30 seconds of your time and leave a review on iTunes, please. It's the cheapest, and it's the fastest way to promote our show. The creative consultant for Opera Box Score is Oliver Camacho. For Tobias Wright and Dinah Fisher, I'm George Cedarquist, asking you to continue the conversation about opera over second helpings of turkey and stuffing or... Hey, maybe even thirds. We're back next Monday night at 9 Central when the countdown to the holidays begins. Come celebrate with us, opera style. Street Beat is up next with DJ Joe on WNUR-FM Evanston, Chicago. Chicago's sound experiment. <laughs>